and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Arbo's most besieged work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. And we are back to talk about Duress 12.2. Um, yeah. So they're, yeah. they're basically, the summary of this chapter is they continue to fight to try and survive against the endless horde of others that seem to be attacking the house. Yeah, so they start the chapter fucked and they end it even more fucked. Yeah, no, it's great. The end. Uh, things don't get better for them. Um, this kind of feels no. like, oh, well, okay, I was going to say this kind of feels like an arc where things just keep getting worse, but I, I'm trying to think <laughs> of an arc that isn't like that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, this has definitely been a very action-packed one already. Like we've, got, we've had two chapters of pretty intense action in a row. Yeah, um... Yeah, so the previous chapter they were fighting on the on the ground floor and they had to retreat to the second floor and and this chapter kind of picks up immediately with them um on the second floor being pursued by a bunch of new others to have to deal with. Yeah, and and I mean, you know, this opening line um of, you know, this is really bad sort of drops us straight back into how fucked they are. Um with Eva playing weird mind games for some reason. Mm. Um, like mentioning that, oh, this would be the time for machine guns. Do you have <laughs> machine guns? No, but if I did, this would be the time for. Thanks, Eva. Like that's mm. super helpful. Do you think she's maybe holding out on them? Like maybe she does have a machine gun. That seems unlikely, but something I don't know. No, I don't think she's that crazy. I just think she is being difficult because she's real pissed that she's here still. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I think on her from her perspective. Yeah, um, it's hard. Wait, yeah. So yeah, I mean, they 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 do they is it blackmail or extortion? She's mm. here against her own will, so yeah. Yes, I mean you can't feel too bad for her, but yeah. <laughs> um, she did originally come here to yes. kill them, so <laughs> the yeah. reason they were able to trap her was because she was in the process of trying to murder them. So yes. yeah, exactly. Um, so something interesting that happens is as Alexis comes upstairs, Ty kind of immediately notices that she's not human. He actually says, "Oh, is she possessed?" Which they they say no, but the answer is yes. She's she's had a spirit pushed into her. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you're right. It is interesting. Um, like he he is able to kind of just notice it immediately, right? Yeah. Uh, which I I, I don't know because it seems like every member of the cabal has kind of been forming their own specialties alongside Rose becoming a, a scourge or, mm. or whatever it was. Um. Mm. Like, uh, and, and Ty seems to be, you know, becoming this sort of generalist or whatever. I don't know. Also, because I remember, it's easy to forget, Blake doesn't have the sight anymore. Uh, right, but, that's true. Um, Ty would, so, and also everyone's sight works differently, so, remember? So, it's like, maybe his sight makes things like that more obvious, which sounds like a great thing mm. to, to be able to do. Yeah, I actually wonder, knowing now that Blake is uh, who he is, what he is, I wonder how normal his interpretation of the site actually was. Like, I wonder if what the site actually looks like to other people is completely different, and he got something very abnormal. We just didn't know. I I think um I think right like when he first awoke, there was some stuff about how it is unique to everyone. Right. Uh, and and then we have seen some interludes. Like I remember in Signature for Mags, it looked a bit different. Mm. Um, like remember she was able to see those people were possessed with the sight um in Johanna's domain uh right they had the spirits in them so it's kind of like i think it's definitely different for everyone and maybe you know depending on who you are your sight manifests in something that 
well, I mean, it makes sense that it would manifest in something that sort of speaks to you, and mm. maybe that's something that's important to Ty, um, mm. or ties into something that's important to him. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Also, I, I mean, I, I just love this because it's, you know, we're we're blurring that line between human and other again by Ty sort of raising this question, which is obviously something that's really big for Blake at the moment. Yes. Um, so... One of the kind of groups of others that has come upstairs are these little kind of impy things, um, and there are three or four of them, at, or more maybe. Uh, and Blake basically charges at them with the hyena and completely shreds <laughs> them, um, basically cutting them into a what is just disjointed limbs before he himself almost becomes disjointed limbs at the hands of a giant <laughs> ogre, uh, which is a nice little uh, turnabout. Yeah, I, and I think this reminder of Blake's mortality is important for both him and us uh, because since we've kind of gotten used to since the water was spilt uh, Blake just being able to teleport around and jump out willy-nilly like he's not yeah. you know now that it's water it doesn't permanently smash whatever he breaks through so he has just kind of been getting away with jumping out willy-nilly and uh, he was starting to feel quite powerful so this is a nice little reminder for him and for us that uh, you know he's not that invulnerable yeah, um, yeah, he definitely has been feeling pretty strong lately. Um, and, and one of the things that happens here is, you know, the, the spirits start to get a bit ticked off with him, um, which very much sets the tone of, you don't have that many, you don't have infinite chances, Blake, like, you don't have infinite lives here. If you keep, uh, getting killed or getting, you know, seriously wounded, the spirits are just going to abandon you. Yeah, yeah, so we'll talk about the, that even more in, in a tiny bit, but uh, there's definitely some emphasis placed right here at the start on how much this takes out of him and, and the spirits in, like inside him, and you just sort of take note. It's like laying the seeds for what's about to happen. Yeah, um, so there's this interesting moment where Blake it kind of is attacking these imps, and, and notices that he's not feeling fear, even as he's charging into a group of monsters. He's kind of, he's feeling a bit of exhilaration that he get that he gets from, you know, charging other others and kind of feeding <laughs> off their energy. Um, but, but beyond that, he kind of feels quite numb and disconnected from his emotions, which is very, um, it, it's kind of feels quite overt, like the, some of the most overt recognition of his lack of emotions that he's done in a while uh yeah and, and i think the way that this chapter shapes up that that might be something that's finally starting to come to a head because he's starting to realize it too um about but I time, this bit where he sort of notices well yeah yeah he's been uh he's been putting it off for a while um i i do think though that this whole because there is this little snippet where he sort of acknowledges that he's not really feeling fear and i think it's really just set up what happens when he enters the blackness for a couple of minutes because that's when he feels genuine fear so i also think a, a big part of this is just sort of setting up how terrified we should be when he gets stuck in the blackness uh in a bit yeah i like that interpretation i think that makes a lot of sense um yeah it's interesting they because we kind of you know uh i think it was a, a f i feel like it was a few chapters ago that blake felt kind of as he was being pulled down um he kind of felt surprised that he wasn't going where he was where he thought he would go and now we're yeah. kind of having that pay off a bit more explicitly with mm. him really 
yeah, really having to actively put himself together because he's kind of been abusing his ability to reform himself a little too much, it seems. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting. So, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, just sort of touching on this bit. So, it's basically two times in rapid succession he gets not quite rematerialized, and basically all the spirits abandon him while he's in the darkness, and he pretty much has to make a like a pitch to to get them back on board. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's a really interesting bit because you know I touched on how the bit before reminded of his us of his mortality this bit like really hammers that idea home and and yeah makes us appreciate not just that he's mortal but that like he's he's not in a good space no Um, definitely not um yeah i wonder he eventually is able to pull himself back together uh, you know convince the spirits uh but i wonder what it looks like when he doesn't i mean does he just go back to the abyss that seems to be what he thinks happens um, or he has the thought I that think... he might go to hell, which is a bit terrifying. Yeah, although he he ponders on which one would be worse, which I think is fair. Is it? I um, don't know. I mean, uh, I yeah, think actually, the abyss true. wasn't that bad was. when he was there. Um, yeah, uh, from what we've seen of Pact, there's worse. Uh, so yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, yeah, it, 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 like I, I'm trying to figure out exactly what is causing this because obviously the sort of simple explanation is. He's getting weaker, he's pushing himself too far, and this is sort of essentially his equivalent of starting to die, I guess. Mm. Mm. Um, and especially because we, we have that bit where he's in the blackness and, and the, the spirits all come out of him and he sees himself like as he is without the trees. Mm. And there's, there's not much left. No, there's not much <laughs> of him, is there? Um, yeah, uh, I, I so- take it as his loss of power is what will eventually stop him from existing um and that's you know when the spirits leave him he's got no power left and that's kind of what we're seeing is is the spirits basically threatening to leave him to die yeah but i wonder exactly why they're doing that um like one of my first thoughts was more to do with the drains or i was thinking about we still he had that whole thing about how he you know was was being a bit of an abuser with his cabal mm and now he's just gone and awoken the rest of the Thorburns. And, yeah. like, I think there's a pretty pretty solid argument to be made that he's repeating the same pattern. Mm. So I wondered if it was the Drains, and he wonders this briefly, too, if the Drains are sort of sending him a message. Um, he doesn't connect it to, to that idea. Mm. Um, but I agree, it, it almost feels more like the spirits are trying to have a go at him. I actually just feel like if he uses too much power or takes too much damage, that power that he's using is the power of the spirits, right? Like... Mm. He says to, I don't think it's Lefty, but to one of the birds, when when he first kind of has to convince it to jump back on board, he has to say, hey, you want to grow up to be big and strong? I'm your best shot, right? And yeah. so to me, that indicates that kind of how like how a, f- a familiar relationship works with a practitioner, it indicates that a spirit can kind of lend some of its power to a, to a boogeyman and kind of in- hitch its ride to it, invest in it, you know? And if the boogeyman yeah. does well, then the spirit gets, you know, the dividends. But if the boogeyman takes too much damage, that power that it's being spent is the spirit's power, right? And it, so it is kind of like an investment, basically. Oh, yeah. Move over spirits as the audience. Now we're talking spirits as investors. <laughs> yeah, they're Wall um, Street. <laughs> uh, they're venture capitalists. Uh, yeah. Y- yeah. Um, no, that actually that actually makes sense to me. Basically, what he's doing is costing the spirits too much. And so this is them sort of saying, hey, pump the brakes. Yeah. Um, I mean, he also 
he also suggests maybe there's outside outside influence, um, which I I don't know if I buy, but it's certainly an interesting thought. Like I was wondering if maybe something's happening to Rose because I still don't know what his connection to Rose is mm. right now. Um, or obviously we've got Corviday walking around planning on taking something. I don't know what Corviday could take that would affect Blake like this, but who fucking knows with him? Yeah, I mean, there could be a lot of different factors influencing it, right? Um, yeah, true. I, I like the idea of the spirits as investors, though, because it means that eventually if Blake gets desperate enough, he's going to have to look for an angel investment. <sighs> that was pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now on with the show. Um, so, yeah, so Blake kind of convinces his investors to, to continue to back him, to not oust him as his own CEO, and he... Um, uses the them again to he jumps back up to the fight and realizes that he's now being reflected in the blood from these homunculi that he has murdered and it's all spread along the walls you assume it's the blood of these kind of imp things you don't it doesn't actually say but you kind of hope that it is i think well there's nothing else that really could be right that's that could bleed that much um, yeah these things just seem to be like um i don't know cannon fodder uh, whenever there's any monsters like this, I always think of those. I think they're called adipose from Doctor Who. That's what I was picturing the whole time <laughs> for these things. You know what I was picturing? Um, you know that you know that TV show Are Real Monsters? It was on Nickelodeon. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. There was a little hairy yellow guy who held his eyeballs in his hands. Anyway, that's that's what I was picturing. Are you looking it up? Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, that is hideous, and it's my new headcanon for what these homunculi <laughs> look like. His name, by the way, is Crumb. That's it, with yes. With two M's. Um, wow, yeah. Anyway. No, it's, perfect. it's a perfect image. <laughs> look it up, folks, folks playing along at home. Um, yeah, so uh, so we talked a lot about, about this, uh, about Blake pissing off his spirits. Um, it, it's interesting. We kind of touched on the idea of him saying, hey, you want to be big? You want to grow up to be big and strong? Come on, I'm your best bet. Was that a th- like a mechanic that was confirmed? How did Blake find out about this? I feel like we didn't know that this is how it works. I mean, it was confirmed in uh, Corvidae's section of, of 11.x. Um, That's true. That's true. <laughs> so it was confirmed for us. I kind of assume Blake's just using his super intuition uh, to have pieced that together off screen. Um mm. But yeah, like you're right. As far as I know, we didn't know that till eleven dot x. So, um, it's you know, it's a classic Blake thing to have put that together though, and, and gamble with it and and get it right. Mm. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, he he does manage to land on seemingly the right things to say to get them back on board. Um. Yeah. So with that, he uh, he's got uh, some momentum going. He manages he manages to 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 rejoin the fight and uh, not immediately get banished downstairs again for <laughs> once, which is good. Yeah, and, and I mean I think this whole bit where he gets bounced back down two times very quickly is yeah. interesting because like we're talking about how you know what might be trying to teach him a lesson, you know, spirits drains whatever, uh, and you know as we sort of touched on now that it's water, he he kind of has the ability to just jump out willy nilly. And I think outside of whatever's trying to be said to him, like basically the lesson he's, he should be trying, kind of learning from this is to not just blindly keep jumping out of the water. Uh, <laughs> no like, way. Hopefully, hopefully he's going to learn to exercise a bit of caution. Yeah. No, I, it feels Blake? very Blake for him to just kind of jump out and stick his sword into something and then immediately get shunted off to some other mirror. 
Yeah, like I, I, I would hope if I was one of the spirits or whatever, and the second time after Eva kicks him and he's down there and he's like, okay, guys, one more time, I promise. You'd <laughs> want him to exercise more caution if you're going to keep investing. No, I agree. I agree. Um, so Blake kind of tries to help fight against this ogre, and this ogre is very, it seems very strong. Like, <laughs> basically, all of them, Ava, Ty, and Tiff all together, are basically about as strong as this thing. Um, yeah, I, it seems like it would be hard to understand how they could possibly defeat it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's pretty big and tough, which is great. Like, this, this chapter is different from the last one in that pretty much most of the fighting takes place in this, like, hallway. So it's yeah. very uh, sort of contained. And so, of course, it's great that it's just this huge thing that kind of takes up the whole hallway is is one of the enemies. Yeah. Um, and the fighting last chapter was fighting against things that we kind of knew and would could have conversations with, whereas this ogre is the complete opposite. It's just here to fuck shit up, and it's strong enough that even badass Ava can't take it down by herself. Yeah, and so you're right. So are the twins and, like, the robot thing. Like, this is nothing that you can talk with. This is just purely combat. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting point. Blake feels more sentimentality towards the hyena than I think we've seen before. He he kind of ma- makes comments like, because the, the ogre accidentally, Blake accidentally gets the hyena kind of taken from him by this ogre. And um and he says stuff like, oh, that's my sword. And it's it's just, like, I'm not super comfortable with how close he is to the hyena at this point. <laughs> yeah, I remember thinking that most of arcs 9 and 10. Like, when he found the hyena uh, down in the drones, I just remember being like, man, this thing's never fucking going away, is it? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know. Now I'm kind of more on Blake's side. I feel sentimentally. I I would be upset if Blake lost at this point. He's had it for so long. But I know it's a piece of shit, but yeah. I, like, not it, just it's, that. it's our piece of shit. It has kind of become his de facto implement, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're and, right, actually. And when, we, when that happened, we talked so much about why that would be such a bad idea symbolically for Blake. Um, and it's just kind of happened. Like, it's, he hasn't done the, whatever, the implement ritual, presumably, but... Well, um, we don't know if he can wait anymore. Yes, He's not really true. a practitioner. But... It really feels like this has become, like, this is as much a part of his identity as, like, mirrors are, right? Well, he has permanent holes in his hands for it. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. He's got, he's, got, he's got a spot in his body for the He's got, like, a built-in oh. holster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. It definitely seems to be fitting a similar role in his current life that, that an implement would if he was a practitioner. So yeah. I think that's a valid claim. Yeah, I I like that. Um, I think we can basically just call it his implement, right? Even though he hasn't consciously had to do the ritual for it, but it has just become his implement in a way that feels so Blake, where um, where it, he just kind of lets himself slide into these big decisions. <laughs> and so, he, no, he never made the active choice <laughs> for it to be his implement, but being Blake, he's just kind of slid himself and been backed into it just being his implement, which it feels very on brand. Yeah, that's very Blake. <laughs> um, so Ava uh, tries to step to the mountain man, but but doesn't make much progress. Um, although she, she she kind of describes that she's basically playing a high-level game of Quop with her arm at the moment, where all the inputs and outputs are completely remapped from what they should be, and she's just kind of 
figured it out. It's so badass. <laughs> oh, it's like, what's what's that assist trophy in uh, Smash Bros that makes mm. all the controls get reversed? Uh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's exactly like that. And, like, that thing always destroys me. Uh, like, I, I just I just try and stand still the whole time it's on screen because I can't do anything. Yeah. Um, Eva would destroy me because, yeah, she's she's really good at this. And, I mean, this is sort of a recurring thing that happens throughout the chapter is every time somebody tries to help her, she's like, you know, fuck off, I can handle this. You know, yeah. I don't need help, blah, blah, blah. You know, real team player talk. Um, but she's kind of right. Like, she she's very good <laughs> at what she does uh, pretty consistently. I mean, she does sort of end up needing help, but... Uh, not directly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um so while the while the crew fight the mountain man, Blake and Green Eyes are tasked with fighting a pair of uh identical twins. Um Green Eyes has a bit of trouble with them before these twins really kick into high gear and uh they basically cut up Blake real bad. Yes, and in fact right before he gets cut up real bad, he has this thought, which is we were alternating enemy and ally here. One on one, we were losing, meaning someone had to take the fall. <laughs> and you bet, right after you read Blake mentioned somebody has to take the fall, you know who's going to be taking that fall. Yes. Uh, and uh, he he takes it. Uh, he gets absolutely messed up by these twins. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's in real bad shape. Uh. To the extent that he either he's cut up so much that he's physically unable to talk, or he's taken so much damage that he kind of loses that ability, but um it's pretty bad <laughs> yeah i assumed it was the throat thing because i think he starts speaking later in the chapter yeah am i wrong yeah yeah no i think he does um but yeah i don't know i mean you know i sure he's an other or whatever so the throat it doesn't matter if it gets cut blah, blah, blah. but like getting your throat cut that's a serious deal well like, and even uh, if you're an other i refuse to believe that's not like requiring extra healing because <laughs> if he lost his like voice box does that mean he's got a spirit voice box now i think he's yeah. already commented that his voice sounds a bit different like he, he mentions on the spirits have all left him in the darkness his voice sounds different without them interesting uh, i wonder how different it sounds now yeah um i think the th we kind of had reminded to us we we were reminded last chapter that one of the best and most reliable ways to kill another is by beheading it right um mm. And Blake gets uh, partially beheaded, which is what having your throat cut is. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it stands to reason that it would uh, fuck him up to a pretty significant amount. Yeah, that's fair. I also just realized I was talking very anatomically about what happened to Blake, but like, you know, he doesn't really have a heart or anything anymore, right? So mm. I don't know if it, maybe, yeah, he, maybe he, it doesn't matter that much if he gets hit in the throat. He's able to reach in through his ribs, so I think he's left anatomy <laughs> behind. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the voice box thing might not be as, as important as I thought. Yeah. Um, so Blake kind of notices this thing about these twins where they're uh, basically mirroring each other. Um, who would have thought? Uh, and <laughs> uh, basically decides to uh, be a bit of more of a brute, uh, throwing a dresser at one of them, which is insane. Um, and it hits one and the other one kind of has to f hurt herself to match the injury that she gets. Yeah, I mean, where's he getting this strength from? That's impressive. Mm -hmm. um, but I love how we get to watch Blake piece this idea together. Like, it's really... I had a lot of fun sort of following the train of thought as I was reading. Like, see him go from this sort of basic idea of who they are or, or what they are and 
move into just i don't know they seem finesse so i'm just going to be crude like it's <laughs> it's it's really fun yeah um and then and then you know again as he sort of hits the brother with that first dresser and uh starts to put the pieces together after they make make themselves a match it's it's really fun watching him basically solve this puzzle yeah it's great because like when these when you don't know the trick to these two they seem basically un like insurmountable as a threat right hmm. but then as soon as blake accidentally kind of stumbles onto their weakness he's able to basically immediately abuse it to take them down it's just such a it's a fun way of building a, a genuinely terrifying threat that also is just actually quite has a quite obvious weak point that you can exploit yes um and and may or may not relate to him and rose as, as he points out later yes we'll get to that in a moment um yeah so blake um outsmarts the twins and forces them to stab themselves in the eye which is great um (laughs) classic blake uh and so the twins are down and blake goes to help with the mountain man but uh with green eyes's help they seem to have taken it down so good job everybody there um at this point the group decide that they've lost enough ground here that they need to retreat even further so they head back up another level and they retreat into the library um of course, in the library, Ava is able to ditch them and go to Andy's side, which means that their leverage over her has been lost. Yeah, and this this chapter went over the time... Well, this chapter lasted, what, five minutes? Ten minutes? Like, how, yep. how long was the time period of this? I mean, so what, still about 14 hours? Yeah, I think the rest go? of this book is just this one siege. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... It, we're down to one room already and, and they've still got 14 hours to go. They're pretty yeah. fucked. Um, uh, I mean, you know, the the last line of this chapter is basically Blake pointing out that it's like, yeah, Eva's reunited with Andy and so she's not on our side. And that would have been bad before. But now we've got all these monsters at the gates. And, like, he suggests that probably the worst thing now is that there's a bunch of Thorburns in the Diabolist library. So it's just... Um, yeah. There's there's so many layers of we're fucked here right now. Yep. Basically every um slight advantage that they managed to earn towards the end of the last chapter has been lost, right? Um the, Yeah, pretty all much. All the protections are down, Ava's not on side anymore, and uh and the Thorburns are no longer useful as a meat shield. Um <laughs> it's going to shit. Uh, I I, I want to talk about this bit where Blake kind of compares or uses the twins that he just murdered to compare himself and Rose and Andy and Ava. Um, yeah. And he, he, he kind of takes the point that the twins, obviously their kind of need to be to mimic each other is a huge weakness, and he sees Andy and Ava's loyalty to each other also as a weakness in that sense, which is kind of fair because they did exploit a- Ava's loyalty to Andy to get her on side. Um but, yeah, but it's I, a bit harsh, though. <laughs> well, yeah, and and of course he kind of it feels like he's just justifying why he doesn't want to do anything on the side <laughs> with Rose, which is not. I don't think it's a good, great point to take. Yeah, like as I was sort of reading his train of thought, uh, and when I was sort of still buying it, I was like, oh, maybe Alexis, when she was like, "Don't trust your instincts with Rose," mm. meant maybe she thinks or, or like you know or whatever that his instincts are to work with and to trust with rose and those are the instincts he should be abandoning um but i think it, i think it's much more likely as you said that he's just trying to justify why he doesn't get on with rose um yeah because yeah, he like i mean it it is interesting like the lesson that these twins sort of impart on him is this idea that if you're too loyal 
to your twin, it's not good. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, that's not a problem you have to worry about, Blake. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not sure that's a lesson Blake really needs to take on board. I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm just, I'm so excited for Rose to come back and see what her leaving has caused. <laughs> see how fucked up their house is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if she knew that this would lead to, uh, to indoctrination of the Thorburns, I think she would have rethought it. Also, the house is, like, pretty fucking damaged. Yep. Uh, um, yeah but um, yeah no this was this was I, I really enjoyed this this was a very fun chapter um like we dealt with blake's mortality a fair bit and it's going to be very interesting to move with that going forward uh and then obviously we've got these ideas of, of all the twins we're comparing that's been a recurring theme in the in the series for a while now and i can't wait to see how that goes ahead yeah. as well yeah no it's a fun chapter um yeah i i it's a obviously it, it's quite an action heavy chapter um but Still still had a lot of interesting little bits, um, and yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah, me too. Um, so, for our little bonus bonus uh, episode at the end of the regular episode here, uh, we wanted to do a discussion question, since we haven't had one of those in a while. Um, yeah, it's been quite a while, I think. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, and these are always great. I always hear, uh, love hearing what people come up with for these, and I think we've picked a pretty interesting one this time. Um, it's not super related to what's going on right now, but that's okay. <laughs> um, what we, we want, it's it's kind of a writing prompt, actually, isn't it? We've kind <laughs> yeah. of embraced the fact that the best answers are the the writing prompted ones. Um, and so we've we've we're deciding to go with the discussion question of. Uh, having people choose a kind of local myth or urban legend to themselves and think about a kind of boogeyman legend uh, and the backstory for that boogeyman, how that came to be this local myth. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is really just more of a writing prompt. Um, yeah, kind of inspired by, by 11.x, I would say, where we had these really interesting yeah. uh, boogeymen and we we kind of examined the backstories that led to them um and i'm kind of interested to hear people try their hand at at, at doing that yeah even more than 11.x just sort of arc 11 in general we met so many cool uh boogeymen and and, and various ideas so yeah and i i think what i really love about what pact does is it takes the core concepts and integrates it into its wider world so well and adds little details that you wouldn't have thought of but make perfect sense so um, I'd, I'd love to see everyone else have a crack at that as as well. And I, 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 honestly, I'm probably just going to do one. This sounds really fun. Yeah. Um, I put down some ideas that I might explore. Um, one is I, I really love the idea of like haunted transport. And so I'd love to add something that we haven't really touched on in Pact, like the idea of a haunted bus or train or something like that. Right. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd really like to explore what situation might have to arise for something like that to occur. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, anyway, but, so um, so yeah, let us know what you can can come up with because that's going to be the really fun bit is getting everyone together to come up with with wacky ideas for for boogeymen. Yes, um, and the place that you can let us know what you've come up with is in our discussion threads uh, where everyone's discussing this chapter, uh, except you. So come on in, we're waiting for you, and that will be linked down in the episode description down below. Uh, yes, we're also found on Twitter at MediaMD Podcast. Uh, I don't know if there's enough characters on there to really answer the discussion question as as, as well as you could, but you know, uh, if if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. We're not, we're not going to tell you what to do. Constraint breeds creativity, Elliot. So uh, maybe keep your your answer yeah. in two hundred and forty. No, no, it's four hundred and eighty now characters or less. 
Uh, can you Wait, believe that Twitter changed it from 240 to 480 characters? What a world we live in. It wasn't at 120 not that long ago. Like, they keep doubling it. Yeah. No principles. Eventually, it's just going to be, like, full text. Yeah. Eventually, it's just going to be Facebook, and then everyone will leave. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, social media uh, observation comedy aside... <laughs> Um, if you want to find out more information about Deep Impact and all the other great shows on the Doof Media Network, you can head to doofmedia.com, which is where you can find all of these great shows that we do. Uh, not just us, other people too. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been a while since we mentioned We've Got Ward. Um, I kind of assume that if you listen to us, you probably read Ward and, and probably listen to We've Got Ward. But if you don't, like, check them both out. They're both fantastic. I'm a few weeks behind myself and uh, I'm planning to use the time off Ruben and I are about to have to finally catch up on Ward and We've Got Ward. Yeah. Um, if you are listening to Deep Impact but haven't listened to We've Got Ward, I'd be interested to hear from you. I think that's an interesting situation to be in. So send us an email <laughs> at mediamdpodcast at gmail.com and then go ahead and check out We've Got Ward because it's a great show. Yes. Uh, and, of course, if you love Deep Impact and We've Got Ward and all the other shows on the Doof Network, patreon.com slash doofmedia is the place for you uh it's where you can exchange a, a very reasonable amount of money to get in much better contact with all of us yeah um s- such as being a member of the doof discord which is where uh which is basically my go-to online community for talking about stuff now whenever there's yeah, a new trailer too. for a terrible tv show i'm always straight to doof media discord to to chat about it in the tv channel um so I, I think that's the best perk. And you get that for just a dollar a month. It's a steal. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a great community, honestly. Uh, we have so much fun. Yeah. No perk is better, though, than supporting the creators that you love. And that's why we would encourage you to go over to patreon.com forward slash wildbow and throw some money wildbow's way as well. Because after all, uh, this show wouldn't exist without wildbow having written Pact. I think it's yeah. fair to say. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I do think that's fair. Uh, I'm uh, not going to call you Forsworn for that one. What would we one? talk about if Pact didn't exist? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. We just make promises to each other for yeah. 30 minutes, I guess. Yeah. I, is that a Pact joke? I don't, I don't think it quite worked. No, look, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back and, and hopefully more awake uh, for Duress 12.3 uh, on Monday the 14th of October. See you then. See you then.